All right, so welcome back to another episode of Time Out with Sports Doctor Podcast. And I have a very exciting guest for you today, uh, Miss Sue Izzo, who is a former uh, sports agency founder, not just a sports agent, but a sports agency founder. Um, she was the female Jerry Maguire, right? That's right. <laughs> and, That's right. You know, she is currently the, the, the CEO and co-founder of the Sports Management Mastermind. So she's spending a lot of her time coaching and also giving back to the sport that really, you know, provided a great lifestyle for her. So Sue, very glad to have you on the show today. This podcast is brought to you by Zero Gravity Skin, a prolific leader in the aesthetic devices market, delivering anti-aging, complexion clearing, hair growth, and pain management solutions across the globe. Featuring the Perfectio X, a two-in-one device which treats both pain and signs of aging and is actively working to reverse cell damage accumulated over time. Also, the Relaxio, which provides damaged cells with the vital energy necessary to quickly renew and recover in the most optimal way. For more information, please visit zerogravityskin.com and use code DRDEREK30 to receive 30% off your purchase. Again, that's zerogravityskin.com, promo code DRDEREK30. Thank you for having me. I'm really honored to be here. Absolutely. So Sue is another friend of Miss Mariko Gordon, and I spoke about her when I interviewed some of her other friends. Um, you know, she has really blessed this podcast, not only by her episode when she talked about financial literacy and your relationship with money, but also by her colleagues and friends that she's recommended. And, you know, very glad to have you on. Oh, thank you. I'm a huge fan of Mariko and her partner, Jeff. They're, they hold a special place in my heart. Absolutely. All right. So, Sue, you know, there is so much we can talk about. Sure, from, sure. You know, how in the world did you become a sports agent to, you know, what you're doing now in the exciting coaching work that you're doing? But just tell us about your career, you know, yeah. and what led you to, you know, being an agent for active sports. And I mentioned sure. before we start recording, if you look at my background, I have football, <laughs> basketball, you know, baseball. I live in the South and grew up in the South. And that's what's really, you know, prominent here. But you dealt right. with surfing, snowboarding, you know, skateboarding, things of that nature. So talk to us about yeah. that. Yeah, sure. So I went to, uh, to undergrad in Vermont um, way, way back when, a long time ago. And when I started uh, going to college, I ended up getting a job at Burton Snowboards up there. It all really happened. I, the story is actually quite funny. It's because of a boy fell in love. He was a snowboarder. I didn't know anything about snowboarding. We broke up and I was like, how do I get back at him? Um, you know, because I'm Italian. And so I decided to get a job <laughs> at the company where he was sponsored as a sponsored snowboarder and started learning the ropes about snowboarding. And in that time working at Burton Snowboards, it was really cool because it was still the beginning days of of Burton. And it was an exciting time to be in the company. There was only a hundred people. So I was really able to learn a lot about sports marketing, about sales, PR. Um, I was in college, so they would give me different odd jobs in the company. So it was really an amazing um, opportunity to learn about the different facets of sports marketing um, while I was still in college. So that was kind of the first foray into the snowboarding world and sports marketing world. Um, I didn't go to college for this, um, for to be a sports agent um, or anything for that. I went to school to become a school teacher because my mother told me when I got married and had kids, I'd have the summers off. And, you know, so it was very 
funny that I ended up becoming an agent. Um, but after graduating college, I landed this crazy job driving an RV around the country uh, for a youth market research firm uh, here in Connecticut. And I had to go on the road for eight months. Um, the companies that put us on the road were Vans, you know, the shoe company, yeah. um, BMG Music, Jones Soda, Quicksilver. And we had to go talk to kids about trends ages 10 to 24 about what sports they were participating in and, you know, concerts they were going to. And then I had to come back to Wall Street and tell the companies, you know, what was going on. And I kept saying, I'm like, you need to align yourself with like action sports athletes. At that time, it was extreme sports. So skateboarders, snowboarders, surfers. Right. Um, and I kind of became this bridge for them, for some of the companies that didn't have relationships with athletes because I had these relationships with snowboarders. So I started calling my friends and being like, hey, you know, I'm working with this company. They're looking for a snowboarder to sponsor within the company I worked in, there was an attorney who said, you know, that's, that's being a sports agent. You should come work under me because he represented somebody. And he kind of coached me for like three months, three, four months. And then was like, we're not growing the sports management business here. You should start your own company. And I was all of 25 years old and had no idea what I was doing and sat down in my fifth grade bedroom and started calling snowboarders. I knew and saying, Hey, would you let me try to get you some deals? So it was really, uh, you know, um, kind of entrepreneurial from the get-go. I love the way that it sounds like you built your agency without even really knowing about it. You didn't just sit down one yeah, day and yeah. say, all right, I'm going to be a sports agent. And I want to own my own business. You started just doing the best that you could at the job you were doing. And somebody said, look, you already have a business. You know, you can do this on your own, which I think is awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, you know, I had so many interests, right? Like I really loved marketing and I loved PR and um, I love sales, but at the time I couldn't really find a job. Um, so it was, well, I can kind of combine all this and mm. this is kind of what a sports agent does. So it really um, like suit suited me in, in what I was yeah. passionate about and what I was interested in. So it really was, it was an accidental career in a way. Um, and I just kind of approached it of just reading everything I could read. I mean, one of the first books I ever read was this book called Robert's Rules, and it was about a boxing agent. And that was how I learned how to cultivate relationships and nurture relationships was, you know, through how he did it, uh, which was through writing, writing down you know, people's birthdays and anniversaries on an index card and sending cards out. I mean, this was way before LinkedIn or anything of that nature or Facebook where you could find out information. <laughs> yeah. It was like a little filing cabinet I had. So yeah, it was very self-taught and asking a lot of questions of people and just really not being afraid of the word no. I mean, I was really had nothing to lose. So I didn't really think twice about it. Sure. And you mentioned not being afraid of the word no, because you went right. from someone who not working for one of the powerful agencies, but somebody just, just, you know, let me hang my sign out here and say, I'm a sports agent, but you were able to take down some of the top names in your sport or an active sport. So tell us about kind of that mentality of going after the big dogs, even when you were kind of a solo person. Yeah, that was, um, it was interesting. You know, I think what a part of my success, I think, was my belief in my athletes. So I always felt, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, it's when you believe in someone or something so passionately, there's nothing you won't do for them. And so I would find any which way I possibly could 
to get an in at a company or with a sponsor or to pitch my athlete. Like it was just nothing I wouldn't do um, or try to figure out a way. Like no matter if someone said no to me, it was just constantly, okay, well, that's just no for now. Right. Like, yeah, or like the other, op- or the other thing that I would think is like, well, everyone rotates jobs. So sooner or later, that person's going to be out of that company, you know, so I got to keep showing up. Um, and I think being persistent was really important and also leading with my heart because I really just was so passionate about what I was doing. And like I said, the belief in my clients that there was nothing I wouldn't do. And I was very strategic and not trying to build a big, huge conglomerate company. I knew that the strength was going to be in being a boutique and the client client service. Cause I recognized that larger agencies, you know, they would have a roster of like 30, 40 athletes. And it was very, how do you, as an athlete, how do you compete for the deals right inside that company where I felt like if I had a boutique agency and had under, you know, 14 athletes, you know, I could stagger the talent and not have them competing on everything. And especially if I paid attention to their personal brands and didn't have their personal brands conflicting, um, it would make my company a little bit, could make my company more appealing than some of the larger agencies. Sometimes that worked for me and I, I got some incredible talent. And sometimes people wanted the glitz and glamour and I, and I respected that. So just kind of a branding question, what do you recommend or how do you counsel someone that's trying to build a brand? You know, many times when you're trying to build a brand, people, you know, I would just think about you want to do things that will impress others. But is that really how you build a brand or what do you tell people to kind of hone in on when they're trying to brand themselves? As an athlete, correct? Is that the question? Yes, as Uh, an athlete. Sure, sure. So I think with an athlete, I mean, obviously the skill set has to be there. Um, You have to have a certain level of talent. But what I always say to people is it's what you do off the field that I think is the most important thing. Um, I always, you know, we always talk about how do you add value outside of your results on the daily? And I think that that's not going and being like, what can you do for me? But it's more like, how can I help you? Because I think that you see this all the time, especially with economy, you know, uh, you know, teams have big budgets and then the budget shrink and, you know, all, all of that stuff. And you see people, players get cut or, you know, athletes get cut. And so it's, they're going to keep the athletes that are continuing to add value. So if it's like calling up the marketing department and being like, Hey, what, what, you know, promo can I show up at or what, you know, company meeting can I do? Or is there a, a day with kids that I can show up at? Those are the types of athletes that people are like, wow, like, it's not just about their results. They're a, they're an asset to the brand, the brand, to the company. Um, so I think that's really important. I also think when it comes to building your personal brand, you really got to be true to who you are. I, you know, I've made the mistake with athletes where we tried to manufacture something like, oh, this is who you should be. Yeah. It would always blow up on your, in yeah. your face. So I think it's being, you know, really true to like, if you are into the outdoors or you're into grilling or you're into family or you have a strong faith, then that's what you should, you know, build your brand on because that is true to who you are. Because I think that people can, you know, call it out or sniff it out a mile away when you're being inauthentic and you're trying to be something for the sake of getting a deal. Like, you know, I mean, I could, whenever I'm watching television and I see commercials and I see athletes doing things, I'm like, this is so not in alignment because if it doesn't yeah, match yeah. up with what you're seeing on their social feeds and, and you see them doing commercial for something and it contradicts itself, you know, 
Um, so I think being true to who you are is really important. Um, and I think also adding value outside of your results is extremely important as well. Yeah, I think, you know, in the days of now social media, this is probably not something you had to deal with as much, but, right. you know, now people just look at how many followers you have, but right. just because you have a huge following doesn't mean that you are a good match for whatever product or whatever service that wants to, you know, sponsor you. Uh, yeah, it's true. And I think that, you know, some of the larger brands that, you know, we work with Pepsi forever and, you know, working with Pepsi is really interesting because, you know, one of the things that they, Mountain Dew was one of our, uh, a huge sponsor of one of my clients. And we worked with them for well over a decade. And it wasn't just that my athlete aligned with the brand message of do things differently because he was super creative and went to the beat of his own drum, but they recognized that they could bring him into corporate and they could bring him into meetings with the CEOs and CMOs. And he had a great personality and he was personable and he had great communication skills. So it was even beyond just him being a, you know, a winning snowboarder or being aligned with the brand message, yeah. but it was also his, you know, personality and communication skills that was very attractive to him because they knew that someone at that caliber of athlete that they were going to sponsor, they were going to be bringing him all over the place for meet and greets. So that was another important factor, you know, that I think you have to look at. And I think that's something that I always tell young kids and their parents, it's like, you know, Parents want to be the ones, I'm sorry, I might be jumping ahead, but parents want to be the ones that start interacting yeah. with, with sponsors um, and holding on to that relationship, almost sometimes taking control of it. But that doesn't really help the athlete. I think having kids learn to go up to sponsors or coaches and shake their hands, introduce themselves, have the athlete be the one that's calling or sending the email or reaching out, like that's very important for young athletes to develop that. And I think that we're seeing that a lot with, you know, the top athletes of today. We see their personality shining through. Um, the people are looking for good spokes spokespeople. Um, so I think that that's an important skill for young kids to develop. Yeah, so, you know, like you said, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but let's go Sorry. with it because, no, 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 this is good because parents, oftentimes you think you just have the best interest of your child. Right. So in my office, many times I'll get a call from a mom that says, mm -hmm. my child wants to be a doctor. Can they come hang out with you? And I'm, my answer is always, sure, yes. But, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm saying, does your child really want to be a doctor or do you want your child to be a doctor? That's and especially right. when I hear from other professionals or from other physicians, I really just kind of take it as a grain of salt. And many times the kid doesn't follow through versus right. if a kid says, hey, can I come hang out with you? They're usually going to follow through on it because they took right. that first step, you know, initiative to show that, hey, I'm serious about this because That's right. if you're not serious about it. It doesn't matter how much your parents want you to do it, you know, or Absolutely. your agent wants you to do it you're going to fall off and you're going to end up wasting a lot of people's time and efforts and money. Yeah. I see it all the time with, with parents. Again, they have the best intentions and I definitely understand the excitability when their child starts excelling in something or showing interest in something. Um, but being a professional athlete, it's a really long road. So I think that if we're taking these young kids and we're saying, okay, you're, this is going to be your track. You're going to be a professional football player, a professional snowboarder or whatever you know, the sport is, you know, you have to remember that this is, you know, that, that could be old decades, right. Of them, them participating in this parents sometimes think that it's, I just have to drop them off at the field. They have to practice. They have to train. That's all they're going to do. What I always caution parents on is that's one of the worst things you can do because 
if you're withholding them from trying and participating in other sports or other interests, number one, we talked about personal branding early on. Personal brand is about interests yeah. and about passions. If an athlete is one dimensional and has nothing else to talk about, that's, you know, it's no good. The other thing that that's the problem is that they also, that comes down to some of the self-worth stuff that we talked about. And that is like, I, people love me because I'm good in my sport. I have nothing else going on in my life, just my sport. So everything is like based on that, right? But if I have a kid that's interested not only in enjoys his sport and is super passionate, and then in the off season, they love to go camping or hiking or art, whatever it may be, DJing, right? That's feeding their soul. And it's also helping to develop them and their, you know, like I said, their, their, confidence as well because confidence is massive in sport and it doesn't just come from their sport it comes from other areas in their life as well so i think you know it is a cautionary tale to parents of you know we understand the excitement and that's wonderful but you need to follow your kids lead of course there is a fine balance between gentle pushing and nudging and encouragement when you have young kids that are you know maybe the teenage years and they don't want to do it but you really got to feel it out because at the end of the day, it's, it's them doing the sport for the next 10 years. It's not the parent, you know? So it has to be, kids really have to be passionate. And the one thing they really got to keep the fun in it. Yeah. So, you know, this is the, I'll say this is the intersection of life sports and medicine. So the kids that I mentor in medicine, I say, okay, you want to be a doctor or you want to be a nurse. So what's your major? Oh, I'm going to major in biology pre-med or I'm going to major in chemistry pre-med. Why? Because I want to be a doctor. And I said, no, because I sat on the admissions committee when I was in medical school and you get tired of picking up folder after folder that says biology pre-med, chemistry pre-med. You get excited when you hear that somebody was majored in um, Spanish or majored in music and they still were able to find their way back to Uh, medical school because truly all you need to do is complete the prerequisites you don't have to have a certain major on your title and Mm -hmm. when you see somebody that's different you say okay let's bring that kid in for interview because I want to see what drives him or you know what he had to go through to get to this point versus the hundred kids who all just majored in biology pre-med and went to class and did research because when you can bring yourself off the paper as you mentioned you're bringing value because that's something that's not necessarily tangible. Um, that's right. Yeah, no, I agree. And so. I think I think sometimes too, we get so locked in this mindset of how the journey needs to be or how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, when we, I think we have to allow for flexibility because there's a, so many different ways to get to the end of the road. It's not just a straight line. So I think being open to that is really important. Yeah, now we mentioned um, placing value on winning and Mm -hmm. you know once you win or once you become a champion people say that's Derek the champion right that's Derek the um, Mm -hmm. professional athlete and they lose sight of everything else that makes you as a person let's talk about kind of the downside of that and the pressure that goes along with that and how you know you've seen I'm sure athletes kind of oh yeah fell under that pressure Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, we see it not only in sports, we see it in music, right? You hear about it all the time, like the sophomore album, right? Like, 
you know, are you a one hit wonder? And I think, you know, I always talk about, you know, when you're coming up in sport, you're the hunter, like you're hunting for that first win, you're hunting for that recruitment, you're hunting for, you know, to make whatever team and then you get it right. And everybody's patting you on your back and you feel like the man and that's amazing. But then all of a sudden you show up, you know, the next week. And when you're at the top of the heap, all of a sudden you go from being the hunter to becoming the hunted and repeating success consistently, it turns. And all of a sudden you see kids that if they change and it's, it's a really, it's really got to pay attention to it where they go from competing to win to competing, not to lose because the idea of loss and what will happen to them People won't like me. I'll lose my sponsors. I'll get kicked off the team, whatever it is. That becomes the bigger weight than the desire to win. So that is really slippery. And so that is where you really got to dive into really acknowledging the mindset and tackling fear. And um, I think that's a big part of where preparation comes into play. And when you, that part of it, yeah. And I also think that, like you mentioned, being well-rounded kind of helps protect from that um, aspect of being a winner or being very successful. Um, Now I want to talk about, you know, you built Mosaic Sports Agency, and that was your your agency for about 15 years. And, you know, you had a lot of success with it. But talk to some, uh, um, speak to some of the burnout that can be associated with not only being a female sports agent um, in a male-dominated Sport, but also being, you know, you're solo. So if you yeah. win, you win. If you fail, you fail. And you didn't have a lot of cushion. So let's talk about that grind yeah. of doing yeah. that day to day and with yeah. young so, athletes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I started my company, as I mentioned, it was 1999 when I started. And I had the company, I, you know, owned the company for about 17 years. Um, I sold it at the end of 2016. And it was a roller coaster ride. I mean, I couldn't have dreamt up the successes and where I went with it. Um, it was unbelievable in terms of representing a surfer from Peru who ended up becoming a world champion surfer, the first one from ever from South America, which is like winning the Stanley Cup. Um, and her turning into like Michael Jordan meets Avita. And like wow. what that whirlwind was in South America for us, like I could, I was so not prepared for that, but it was amazing. And it was incredible to, you know, the death of one of my athletes, his, he was 23 years old and then another athlete suffering a traumatic brain injury. So there were extreme highs and extreme lows. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, I was one of very, very few females in the game, let alone one of the only females that owned the agency. So it was very hard. It was absolutely a boys club. Um, People were always trying to, you know, take me out. I felt like, you know, um, going behind my back, talking to my athletes, it's the nature of the beast. Um, And just being, you know, it was 10 times harder for me as a female. There's just the, just the flat out. There was no way around that. And like you mentioned, I own the agency. So it wasn't like I was at CAA or Octagon or IMG and had a bunch of, you know, superiors above me that were, had my back. It was all me. So it was two full-time jobs. It was being an agent in the business and then running the business on top of it. So either I was working on it or working in it. And then on top of that, I was hiring. So I had a whole team, you know, I had other agents underneath me and 
administrative and all of that. So, you know, it was, it wasn't just me, but so there was a lot going on and I had to reinvent the company. I would say like two solid times where I had tremendous success. And then a bunch of stuff happened with athletes getting injured, um, where I had to like rebuild and rebuild my roster and then get to the top again. And then a bunch of, you know, bad things happen, you know, with my athletes getting injured again or dying and then had to come back up again. So it was, it was a lot. It was emotionally and mentally and physically a lot um, to do it. You know, I mentioned that I deal with a very similar patient population mm -hmm. that you dealt with yep. as an agent, you know, that 13 to 22 year old. Um, and a lot of athletes that you had didn't even have to complete high school or go to college. Right. And then you right. cut them this nice check and say, go be responsible. Don't screw up your life. You know, right. I can imagine because when I'm dealing with young athletes or parents and I have to do mm -hmm. a major surgery, there's a trust, a relationship. Right. I'm going to do my yeah. part, but I have to be able to trust you to do your part. And I know right. I have so many sleepless nights just thinking about the outcomes and, you know, man, I wonder if they're going to follow this instruction or follow that instruction. And I hate just going to the game to watch them play, you know, after they've come back. But I can just imagine the pressure when you're dealing with that young age, you know, with that amount of money in their pockets and all the influences from mm -hmm. family to, you know, That's the right. world to, you know, even drugs and everything yes, else. Everything. Really having to police all of it. Yeah. The Sabre training bat is like no other training bat you've ever used before. So the purpose of the Sabre training bat with its modified barrel is so that you can perfectly sequence and get behind the ball, getting the bat on plane sooner, creating less miss hits, more line drives, higher batting averages, and more exit velocity. The Sabre training bat is the number one training bat on the market. Sabre bats. The training bat that's going to take you to your best swing. You know, it was interesting. I mean, there were some athletes that I felt very like you. I felt very responsible. I knew that this wasn't just being their agent. I knew that they were not like many of them have graduated high school. Very only one of them went to college. Um, and so I felt responsible that I needed to teach them life lessons and life skills, not only that would serve them in their career, that would serve them in life. So I was constantly mentoring and educating. The other thing that I would do is when I was choosing athletes, it was looking at them and being like, okay, well, you're great at your talent. And once we got that, then I was looking at them like, all right, what else are you interested in? And that's you know what we talked about earlier, because I would try to find entrepreneurial things that they were into or interests that we could build other projects from because I felt like if I could teach them some business stuff or help them find other revenue streams because you never know as an athlete how long that career is going to be um, there's sure. career ender ending injuries that happen all the time so yes. I felt very responsible and when it came to the checks you know the first thing I would do is say okay I'm going to give you a buffet service of like financial advisors. You don't have to sign with any of them, but you need to talk to all of them um, because you need to get educated. So that was one of the first things that I encouraged them to do. The other thing that I would do is say, let's go buy your toy, right? Because when they get the big check, they all want the toy. And with guys, it's usually a car. 
So it was get like, it let's go way. get it. Let's get it out yeah. of the way. And then it was saying, okay, so this check that's coming in from Oakley, that is going to be your mortgage payment. Okay. So that check is now spoken for like this check that's coming in from Quicksilver that's going into your investments or what have you. Right. So I would try to teach them how to make their money work for them. Now you mentioned something interesting because we had some parents that were excellent and they were a dream to work with and they got it and they really looked out for their children. But we also had parents that absolutely screwed their kids and it was awful to watch. And I tried to interject, but at the end of the day, there's only so much I can do. And I watched one parent, like I found out years later, he didn't pay his kids taxes for years. I had another parent that spent all the money, you know, and that's devastating to me um, that parents don't protect their kids. So I feel that young kids, financial literacy and what Mariko does is so important, but financial literacy is imperative. It is imperative. And I think also while kids are earning money, you know, there's certain laws in certain states that need to be adhered to and any good agent will be making everybody aware of that. And I think that's really important too. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one thing I really am concerned about or worry about now with name, image and likeness. Yes. Um, and, you know, in college sports and you don't have a lot of kids making a lot of money, but some kids are making significant amount of, amounts of yep. money and how much education are they getting to go along with it? Do they have, right. you know, the financial advisors or are they going right. to get this check, spend all of it? And then, right. you know, you got to pay taxes. If not, they're coming that's back right. for it. So that's definitely yeah, a concern. And I, absolutely. And, and I would always say to parents, hey, listen, like a lot of parents felt, um, the kid owed it to them, right? The parents paid a lot of money up front for the kids training and, you know, taking all that. And, and I, and I respect that. Like if a family sacrifices a lot, I would have no problem with paying a parent, but they had to go on payroll. It was not withdrawing the money. It was forming a legal entity, whether that was a LLC and S corp and a parent becoming an employee or a 1099 of that. I think with name and likeness, you're right. It is, it is, it is slippery. It's scary. Um, I just hope that there's good educators out there. Uh, a friend of mine, and I'll introduce you to him, Bill Carter. Um, he was one of the founders of Fuse Sports Marketing, uh, is youth marketing. And Bill does an incredible program on NIL um, and is doing great with educating college athletes about this. And, and I highly recommend anyone looking up Bill Carter and, and his education on that. That's great. Because education is definitely key. Yes, it is. All right. So, you know, in your career, like you mentioned, highs and lows. And I had another guest that said, no matter if you're at the, in the valley or if you're at the peak, it's all a moment, you know, and as soon as you reach the peak of one mountain, that's that's the the base of another mountain and you just continue to climb and climb Mm -hmm. and, you know, that can be exhausting. Um, So, you know, what would you tell your 30 year old self now if, you know, about what to do or what not to worry about? Just what would you tell your 30 year old self? You, you know, it's funny. I, it makes me think of, I had a moment in my office uh, with one of my employees and um, I said, I said to her, she's like, oh, you, you know, you got that deal. You must be so happy. And I said, I'll be happy when I get X, Y, Z. And she turned to me and she said, you realize that you always say that and you're never happy. And wow it hit me like a ton of bricks and, you know, she nailed it. I, there was always an, I'll be happy when it kept, I kept, there was always another level of it. 
And I think it was appreciating, learning to give myself credit for what I had accomplished, being happy in that moment. Um, I never, I shredded myself. I shredded myself every single step of the way. I was never good enough. Everyone was a better than me. It did not matter how much I built, the company I built or any of that. It was impossible for me to give myself any credit um, because I was always looking at other people and, and just envying everybody else, right? So if I were to talk to my 30-year-old self, it would be, you know, stop for a minute, pat yourself on the back, like, look at what you've done. It's amazing. Um, give yourself credit, like yourself, like don't wish this moment away because I think I wasted a lot of time doing that. And um, it's not so much I regret it. I just wish I learned the lesson earlier to enjoy it more. Uh, no, that's great. And I just had a recent episode talking about self-awareness and that's exactly what that is. Um, because we beat ourselves up as high achievers, yeah. as athletes, yes. doctors, entertainers, agents, whatever. We beat ourselves up because we are always trying to do the next thing or meet somebody right. else's expectations of us. Um, that's and right. that's not healthy. And yeah. you know, I heard you speak about you know, being in a healthy mental state allows mm -hmm. you to pull back and say, you know what, Sue, you did great today. Or you know what, Derek, that was awesome. The fact that you sat down and talked to this kid, you know, 10 minutes about what his career is about and just appreciating those small wins instead of always, you know, comparing yourself to a, a perfect level. Um, and it's hard to do that when you're not in a healthy state because you're always just trying to, I know for myself, I was always trying to make somebody else happy instead of worrying about me, which led right. me, you know, you, you're performing instead of being yourself, truthfully. Totally. I, I think that, you know, I just wanted approval. If I did this, if I got to this level, someone would like me better, my, you know, my family, whatever, you know, whatever it was. And um, so I was constantly always looking for the next thing or, you know, then I'd be accepted or then I'd be good enough. Um, and that it's just a, it's just an impossible journey to go on. Like it's just, there's no end to it. And it's really silly. Um, and it caused you know, it caused me a lot of pain. And, you know, I'm very open about, you know, my mental health struggles that started when I was very young and my depression that I've experienced since the age of 12. So going through building this company and my entire self-worth was tied into how this company performed or how an athlete did. And that is crazy because I had zero control yeah. over how an athlete, if an athlete got a deal or not there's so many factors that go into that right or you know we yeah. got the tv deal or whatever and so it was really um it was just a recipe for disaster for me um throughout that time and as i was going up and down with like you know the company doing well and not doing well and athletes getting injured or athletes dying and you know my self-worth being tied into that it was just this implosion that happened for me where I finally just kind of cracked and was like, I need to take a massive time out and get straight in my head of who, who am I? What makes me happy? Who is Sue Izzo separate from Mosaic Sports Management? And, you know, learn to 
like myself first, then love myself. And then, like you said, develop that self-awareness and boundaries of separation of what I call church and state of work and, you know, my personal and who I am as Sue. Um, The other thing too, is that I think in professions, we have to develop certain things. And I had to develop a very um, heavy coat of armor as a sports agent and being the agency owner and being a female in this field. And I realized, you know, 16 years into it, I wanted to take that armor off. Um, It was too heavy and it wasn't who I innately was. And I think I got away from who I was because of how I felt I needed to do the job. And I wasn't correct in some of the ways I did the job um, or how I behaved because I felt, you know, um, I just, I didn't, I could have done some things differently. And, you know, that's when I, one of the reasons why I got out of the game where I just wasn't happy anymore in it. It didn't matter about the money. It was just, I wasn't happy with who I was and I wasn't happy with, you know, I, I wasn't passionate about it anymore. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that because that's, of course. yeah, that's what can really change people because people feel like many times you struggle in isolation. And, you know, as I mentioned that once you achieve the level of agent, physician, professional athlete, you're almost untouchable and people glorify you for that one line. Um, and they kind of forget about you being a person and that you have struggles and that you have to go through things and overcome things and you have to be perfect every day when you step out of your house, step out of your car, put the smile on your face, shake hands, make the deal and keep moving. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it's really important to realize that. And I've, I've learned this through my whole life where, you know, throughout different points in our life, we need a different set of tools. And I think that anybody will tell you that has achieved major success, they have not done it on their own. There's always people around them. So whether that is coaches, therapists, um, talking to friends, whether it's having other outlets like we discussed, um, I think those are all really important things. I think having a solid group of friends and family around you that you could trust and just love you for you is so important, you know, because you're always going to have the hanger honors that are all excited to meet you and be a part of your posse, but you know, they're maybe they're not there for the right reason. So I think it's important to have your closest people near you. Um, And also too, I think that you're, you know, the asking for help. I I'm so proud of society today. We still have a long way to go, but it is so, it is so much better than it's ever been. I'm so proud of our Olympians and the, and the, and the celebrities that are raising their hands and saying, I struggle and I need to take time out and bravo to them because it, like I always said, you can't, these sports, everybody is replaceable. It's bottom line, like everyone's replaceable, but you're somebody's child, you're somebody's partner, you're somebody's, you know, whatever. You're not replaceable to that person. So your your health and your happiness, your mental health and emotional health, all of physical health, it all has to come first above and beyond. Because if you don't have that, you cannot be the football player or the snowboarder or the doctor or the agent. Like you just can't. That stuff has to be your number one priority. Totally agree. Absolutely. Totally agree. All right. So talk to us about the one-on-one coaching that you're doing now on the opposite side of sports agency. 
and as how you're kind of giving back to the sport that you know blessed you so much. Yeah, absolutely. So after I sold my company uh, in 2016 was finally when um, the deal went through. I kind of left action sports and just kind of went on my merry way and, and became a business consultant and coach and helping people build businesses because I do love doing that. And about a year ago, I partnered up with another agent and we started the Sports Management Mastermind, which is designed to educate up and coming action sports athletes and their parents on how to build their careers in action sports. So the idea behind it was we have, you know, combined 40 plus years of knowledge being agents and we've seen everything in the book. How about, you know, we realize that like when kids get sponsored or at the X Games level or Olympic level, they have agents and they have a team around them help guiding them. But there's this whole younger generation of athletes that don't and it's there's no roadmap. So and nobody to tell you like, you know, kind of what to avoid or what to do. So we created a, a four week, it's really five week, five week live curriculum. Um, it's a mastermind. We meet once a week uh, for 90 minutes and we cover how to build your athlete brand, um, how to uh, promote that through social media, um, how to your mindset, mental health um, and mental strength. Then we do contracts, sponsors, um, negotiations, uh, how to build your athlete pitch deck. And then the last week is Q&A. So it's been this um, incredible, incredible experience. We've, we've now conducted, I think, four masterminds over the past, four or five over the past year. Um, and the ages of the athletes range from you know 10 years old to about 18, 19. And they're joined by their parents um, and it's, uh, education, it's conversation, Q and A, and we have professional athletes come on and join us and different experts like sports performance coaches, um, other agents. Um, and it's been pretty awesome. No, I mean, that sounds great. And that sounds like something that needs to be duplicated, you know, action sports, yes. baseball, basketball, football, yes. across the board, um, because there's just so much that you know the pressure on these kids because you look around and you say okay johnny's going to this camp you know okay they're doing this now they're training year-round and you feel like you have to do this but like you mentioned even in action sports i thought it might be different but you're still looking for a well-rounded athlete not just somebody who can 100%. surf you know yeah the, the, i think you know we started off in action sports because that's where we came from so i you know my goal was let's let's perfect it in action sports let's figure yeah. out what we need to take away and what we need to add to go to stick and ball and i think we're there i think we're we're pretty close to getting there um so we'll be in the this next year will be the expansion into other sports everything we teach is applicable across the board um for any athlete it really is i think the only difference is how action sports athletes pitch sponsors is a little bit different from like a team sport athlete right so because they're in action sports athletes are independent so there are some differences there um the other thing that we're seeing a lot of is we're getting a lot of coaches and aspiring sports agents so we'll be starting another um division of the company which will be for people that want to be agents um again we'll start off in action sports people who want to be action sports agents and then we'll be inviting other agents in to talk about more traditional sports and maybe some of the differences so Really, it's just we want to get people to the point right before to where they get signed by agents 
um, and or go pro. So then it's like we give them the handbook of, of things to do and you questions to ask and how to prepare themselves and position themselves best. Um, and like I said, it's my goal in this is really planting seeds. Um, I don't expect a 13 year old to take everything and go implement it the next day. But I, yeah. I do know that, you know, we are planting enough seeds that they do come back to us and they say, Hey, that was really helpful. I got in this situation or, you know, like I talked about introducing yourself to coaches or team managers mm -hmm. or sponsors. Mm -hmm. And it is the best feeling in the world when I get emails from athletes and they're like these young athletes. I'm like, I introduced myself to the team manager at Oakley at the bottom of the half pipe and he's going to flow me product. Thank you for teaching me how, you know, <laughs> so it's like super rewarding. And, and same with the parents. Like I know parents, it's very overwhelming when your child starts excelling in sports um, and, and it's very difficult too, when you hear all the other parents talking, so you're kind of like, what should we be doing? And, you know, it's a panic mode. So providing guidance for the parents, um, has been really, um, rewarding as well. And, and being able to help them navigate these, these roads. Sure. Sure. That's great. Um, so on time out with the sports doctor, this is your final timeout. So, you know, this has been an action packed <laughs> Fun feel. I mean, you've given out so many gems during this interview, um, but I want you to speak to that athlete or speak to that parent of a young athlete who's just feeling overwhelmed because there's so sure. many things. They have a, a talented kid and they want to yeah. help, you know, mm -hmm. and they don't want to be a hindrance to their career. Just speak to yeah. them as far as, you know, the steps that they should be taking and how they get started. Sure, sure. As a parent, I think the biggest thing is, you know, having, I think communication with your child is one of the most important things, right? Um, and I think not telling your kid what to do, but asking them how they feel about a certain performance or a certain situation and let them speak to you is really, really important as you start this journey. Hey, did you, how'd you feel about that practice? Was it fun for you? Uh, was there something you wish you could have done differently? Why was that disappointing for you? Those are open questions that you can ask your child and let them speak back to you versus you saying, you know, you really should have cut left instead of cutting right. And you should have done this, you know, because then they're going to shut down and they're not going to want to open up to you because they don't want criticism. Leave the coaching to the coaches. That's what they're there for. As a parent of an athlete, your, your job, number one job is support and unconditional love. That's number one. Um, I think as you know, your child starts to explore different sports, um, you know, let them let them feel that out. Like I said in the beginning, you know, it's a long to be a professional athlete is a really long career, really long time. So, um, the, someone once said to me, the only pressure in a household should be in the water tank or something like that. It shouldn't come from a parent and their kid, you know? Yeah. And I was like, that's actually really good. Yeah. So um, I think that's really important. Keeping the communication open, um, letting them share how they're feeling with you. Um, remember to, this is a marathon and not a sprint. It does get overwhelming because there's a lot of parents talking or other athletes maybe that are excelling past your child. One of the biggest trappings I see of parents is they want their children to peak earlier than their children should. You need to let your kid develop in the time that they're, they're supposed to, both physically and mentally and emotionally. 
um, and That's not true. try to rush that process because a lot of parents want their kid because little Joey made varsity. Their kid, why is my kid making varsity? Let little Sammy, you know, develop his body and get there. I, this is such a cautionary tale. I say it to parents all the time because I don't want my athletes peaking at 16. That's a disaster. A 16 year old cannot handle the Olympics. Very few of them can. You know, I want my athletes peaking between the ages of 21 and 24 and really get it because you're, you're so much more equipped again um, on so many levels. So I think that's really important for parents to hear as well. No, that's great. Yeah. Compete with yourself, not with your neighbor. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. You really have to run your, run your own race. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. Well, Sue, tell everyone how they can follow you, you know, on social media, how they can be a part of your mastermind if they're interested. Yeah, sure. Um, please, you know, follow us at uh, sports. Well, the website is uh, sportsmanagementmastermind.com. You can find out all the information about our four-week mastermind there. Uh, we also, the Instagram is sportsmanagementmastermind. And you can also follow me at Sue Izzo. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much where I'm at. Well, hey, thank you for coming on. It's been a a blessing to me. So I know this is going to be a blessing for many. Oh, thank you so much. It is such an honor to speak with you. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to support this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a five-star review. And if you haven't done so, subscribe so you continue to get the updated episode. Until later, peace. Stopping. You are now tuned in. Trust you don't want to miss. This is where life, sports, and medicine.